All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. We are trying this again with Mr. Joe LaBarbera. This episode 243 was supposed to be like two, I think it was 242, it was intended on being, but uh, uh, your host, myself, Bailey Agbrett, screwed up the audio trying to play around with the new microphone. And uh, I am joined here with my good buddy and co host, Mr. Adam Deacon. What's going on, dude? Not much, man. How are you? I'm good right now. I hope I sound okay. Uh, unlike the last time where my microphone, you know, I was all high up and, and happy for this new fancy mic and I could pick up my fiance's conversation from two rooms over. So I was like, well, that can't happen. So unfortunately, folks didn't get to hear the first rendition of our show with Joe, but uh, Joe was nice enough to uh, sit back down with us and uh, we're going to have a good show today. Hope yeah, man. If he doesn't get sick of us and be like, all right, these guys are losers. <laughs> Pack our things and run. <laughs> but no, dude, I, I'm good. So today I'm just starting to uh, – I just signed off from work, and I'm watching. The, uh, I'm happy to be with you guys talking fishing here, but then also my screen over, I'm watching the, uh, the way in from Smith Lake for the Bassmaster yeah. Open that's going on. I checked in uh, earlier, man. I have not uh, – I have not. I didn't know the way in was going yet. Yeah, right now, uh, four fish for nine and a quarter is leading. Uh, I heard that there was a, a fog delay this morning. I don't know how long that went for, but it sounds like guys had a short day today. And uh, it sounds like things are really, really tough. Like, talking with Andrew Upshaw yesterday, he's like, I'll be lucky to have five fish. Uh, sounds like the same thing's going for a lot of folks that I'm seeing on social media if they're posting, that they're just hoping for a limit. Uh so it might not take a lot of weight to to do well in this thing. Grinder. You're a fish smith? No, never been, man. We'll have, yep. to ask Joe, we'll have to ask Joe if he's gone down to Smith. Joe, you're in the queue still, but he's shaking his head no. He hasn't. He hasn't. <laughs> uh, dude, I a couple things. I guess really just one thing. I don't really have a couple things. But the main thing for me is uh, Hobie BOS for the kayak schedule announced their first five tournaments. And... Of course, it's now like you're all in the excitement of like trying to decide what you're going to do for the next year. So who knows if I'll actually be able to go to these because uh, it is pending work. Obviously, we all have jobs here, but uh, Toledo Bend is the first one in February. Um, let me actually pull up a schedule while we're sitting here because we can briefly chat about this. Yeah, man. I saw I saw the post about it. Yeah, he posted it on Instagram. Yeah, the first one's Toledo Bend in Louisiana, February 12th, 13th. And I have heard mixed things about it. it's either going to be a smash fest, but then people are like, it's going to be super cold and brutal. But uh, either way, it's going to be early February. And that's like, for me, we're going to still have ice and I'm going to be itching at the, and foaming at the mouth. So I will probably make that 20 hour trek down to Louisiana, link up with my buddy Zach Hall, which is like his home pond. And uh, we'll see what we can see what happens. But uh, Heck yeah. the next one, let's see. Uh, we have Santee Cooper, March 26th and 27th. That's going to be sweet, dude. That's insane. And that's and this is where I'm really bummed. Is I'm bummed, but I'm not bummed because I'm kind of excited for that weekend anyways. I'm excited because with my job, I get to go work the Major League Fishing Red Crest. And that's like the first Red Crest Expo. So that would be kind of cool because it's like the first of its kind. We'll see how that goes. Heck I get yeah. to work that and go to Grand Lake, be in Oklahoma. Uh, 
but that's the same weekend as Santee Cooper. So I'm kind of bummed I don't get to fish Santee. But, uh, well, obviously, we'll, we'll get down there eventually. But yeah. uh, the next one is one I plan on going down to, uh, and that is Lake Eufaula on April 23rd and 24th. And that one, a year ago in there in, like, two months. Yes, in the beginning Almost of the day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm curious. We'll be having some conversations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be I'm a year, but I'd be happy to tell you my thoughts on the place. I've heard a lot. I know. <laughs> it, it should be, I, I don't know. I'm pretty interested to see how it shapes up for you guys. But end of April, it could be interesting. Uh, they're definitely going to be done spawning. That's a fact. So probably just a brush pile bite. Um, and then next on the list is one that they went to last year. Uh, which I've heard from many people was a favorite than the, uh, this year's schedule, uh, is Broken Bow Lake in Oklahoma, which I've heard is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, dude. I've never – I when I saw that, I was – is it a small lake? Is it a big lake? I've, I've heard – I've heard – okay. I've heard some of the Oklahoma guys talk about it, but I'm curious to why there's not any other – you know, you don't see Opens there or Toyota Series or um, – you know, it's kind of undiscovered from a big tournament perspective. Um, maybe it's different in the kayak world, but I would love to uh, see where that's at and get on the thing. Yeah, that is. You know, you know what I'm going to do here because you know, we've had him sitting in the queue for almost six minutes here. He probably would add some valued input to probably. the schedule here. We're going to bring Joe in here. Joe, what's going on, dude? What's up, guys? <laughs> we figured we had you in if we're going to talk fishing and talk lakes. We, you know, you're know, you a guy that's just has traveled. <laughs> yeah. Probably just foaming at the mouth to start, uh, really start right. adding some input. Super cool. I'll just be here listening. <laughs> <laughs> Did, have you have you been down to Ufala or Santee? No, I mean, so like a lot of the tackle trap guys that I hang out with a lot um, – I mean, love that body of water. I have a friend who's in the military who was stationed there for like two years um, who fished. I mean, he, he bass fished there a lot. Um, you know, like, I don't know, the whole brush pile thing, it's it's like, it's not really my deal. So I haven't made it a point to be there. And I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the, I forget what they call it, where Upshaw and Bradley Hallman and Castledine all get together. What do they call that show? Wait, like the most recent one? Yeah. 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 Okay, I watched, so, it was awesome, man. I watched yeah, the last half show. of it. Yeah. But uh, from what I know about some of the lakes down south and the, the brush pile driven ones, like, dude, I don't want to show up and fish at any level there unless it is the highest level um it's it's not my gig um because like dude i have friends that live in the south that their second boat besides their bass boat is for dropping and moving brush piles and uh <laughs> i'm and like i know people who uh like if it's a two-day like a full weekend event at some of these places down south and like somebody shows up to their brush pile before them, um, they'll have friends go move it before the second day. Um, Jeez. Yeah. So like, I, dude, I don't want to be part of it. It's not, not for me. Like I, uh, I mean, I can, I, I, I don't know. I don't have a group of friends where we coordinate fishing efforts. Like I don't travel with anybody. Like, um, 
I may travel with Brad from Outcast Tackle, the guy that designed the chicken jig last year. Brad reached out to me after this year ended and said, hey, bud, are you going to fish all nine? Even if you only fish the three northerns again, do you want to do it? I said, I, I hesitated because I'm used to being alone. Like, I don't travel with a co-angler. I don't travel with anybody. I don't get information mm-hmm. from anyone. But uh, long story short is I, I don't have a group of cronies that we all like, this is our thing. Um, I kind of am like Brandon in a sense that I'm friends with a ton of people, but not best friends with a single soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't really, that brush pile thing concerns me because it seems like it's a team effort. And if you're not a local and you don't have a team, you're going to struggle on it a little. So I just, I haven't got into it. I, I, I haven't made it progressively through my career enough to dabble in it yet i got you man i mean hot take on my perspective on this thing um as far as like i'm hoping because it's a fall kind of a late fall style event in alabama like i uh, as far as official practice days go i'm gonna spend two days trying to find something on the bank and not even go near the brush piles and that may be a death sentence but like the way the team national is structured right like you have to basically win it or be in the top three so i'm swinging so if i can get on a a shallow bite where they're chasing bait or um whatever it may be there's a lot of grass in that lake like i like the way welcher fished it last summer or early fall Uh uh-huh uh-huh exactly man and that's I mean, uh, I, and, and dude like being from out of town that's how i'd fish it too yeah um it's the only way i'd know how to swing without without like trying to do what like i don't want to go and do what everybody else is doing anyway yeah and if you're gonna do that i feel like in that situ- situation as far as if i do if i do get stuck on the brush piles like i'm gonna graph and find the greenest nicest looking brush piles and i'm not gonna have a hundred of them right so like you're gonna have to sit mm-hmm. on your five or six i mean it may be more than that but the ones that you feel comfortable sitting on because you're just not going to be the guy that's running the gun and hit brush piles but i'm you may be able to find a lot too I, I don't know i just don't have experience in the area you know? yeah yeah, exactly. No, I've heard. I heard it like there's more brush piles on that lake than a lot of lakes in the country. Oh yeah, that's just, that's what my like, buddy who was in the Marines was saying. He said it's insane. Yeah. So, I heard. I've I've heard Lanier's kind of like that too. Um, oh, okay. This is uh, just a backtrack. Saying this is Broken Bow, so it's actually not giant, giant. But how many I acres mean, for a kayak tournament? It's pretty damn big. Yeah, see how big it is. Let's see. Broken Bow Acres. You looking it up, Tegan? Yeah. It's got a lot of shore. Got a lot of shoreline. I like Full all transparency things. here. I like am really bad at when people say an acreage of a lake of like putting that into perspective <laughs> of how big it actually is. They say like a big number. I'm like, oh, okay. That must be big. Like uh, you say like once you start acres. looking at it. Once you start looking at it from that perspective, you'll dial it in like think of like what well, the best way to learn is to look at like your like, like you're very familiar with right Cayuga. Like Cayuga, and then just know the acreage of that and then you're like oh so it's two times Cayuga, it's three times Cayuga, whatever it may be that is smart Cayuga's tough too though because like literally the acreage is there's like since the shorelines are like north and south mm-hmm. dead straight like kind of gives you a little bit of a false sense you know <laughs> like there's only so much. like what 120 miles long and it's very similar like north yeah. or south to north you know 
Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing too, right? Like you get into the Ozark region and those lakes are massive just because even though it's only 60,000 acres or maybe 20,000 acres, it is just creek, 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 creek. Yeah. So much shoreline. Yep. Yeah. But let's see here what we got. Broken bow. Cayuga's only 5,000 acres. Wait, what? 5,800 yeah, acres. 5,800. Oh, okay. The Broken Bow is 14,000. So, <laughs> Pretty big. <laughs> dude, but that's not like Toledo Bend's 120,000. Yeah. Daily. Yeah. Rayburn's like 150, right? Like that's 10 yeah. times as big as that lake. <laughs> see, but, see, this is like, all right, a really interesting sidebar here. And I wish my buddy Drew Gregory was here to dispute this. Uh, but we are having a kayak show coming up, so we can talk about it more later. But, uh, so like the whole kayak thing that people are trying to talk about is like getting these kayaks on like these smaller lakes that like big boat tournaments can't get on, obviously. Sure. And like I'm, I totally understand that from the whole kayak thing, but like personally and selfishly, I love the idea of like a Toledo Bend where I will not see a single soul the entire tournament that's in a kayak. You know, I mean, like I mean, especially if it's that big, like you take a oh, hundred, hundred twenty person field i mean there's a very good chance you're not going to see anybody throughout the entire week i don't know like i I agree if you're looking to not see anybody but to me even in any tournament no matter the lake size for some reason like you end up finding something the same as everyone else man like there's always you know what i mean like there's always like okay i did my research this is the area of the lake i want to spend my time in well 50 other guys did that so then there's like yeah guys in this pocket six you know what i mean i mean and it's just how it is but you could get away from everyone if you wanted to and that's what's cool about a kayak i mean you could go way up the river and like go somewhere where no one else is you know would take a boat that does not a local so yeah that's kind of like strategy number one is like at least for me and it's burned me every time so far (laughs) it hasn't proven to be successful yet it's like get away like if you're willing to put in the most miles to get away from a ramp then you might you know if you find something you'll have to find it to yourself uh but that ter- that strategy worked out well for me in terms of chickamauga except i didn't account for the massive amount of local tournaments that go out of there and then <laughs> then a, a boat beat me to that instead of a kayak so yeah uh which and then now completing this so i stopped boring uh joe here is no no not at all <laughs> The, uh, the the fifth term they announced is June fourth and fifth on my favorite place in the world, Lake Chickamauga. That that will be a fun one. There's definitely going to be boat tournaments that day. Probably like a 300 boat field tournament, but it's June and Chick, so that should be fun. Heck yeah, I'll be man. scouting the SLR for opening day monsters. You're gonna need a 30 pound bag. What's that? You're going to need a 30-pound bag, son. Dude, okay, so here's what it is. is I grew up fishing Cayuga. I spent 25 years bass fishing there. I spent the last five on Oneida. I've had enough time. It's time to move on. Uh, It's time to start that learning curve at the St. Lawrence. Um, I like it. It's just time. Like, dude, I spent five years at Oneida. I called up my home for five years. I only fished Cayuga about four times in that five years after doing it for 25 years with the old man. Um it's time to move on. Like I I'll start at the bottom. I don't care if that's what I know I can get to the top. Like I believe in my heart that I can figure that out and I'm going to start putting in the time now. It's it's time. You know, I like that mindset when it comes to like, 
tournament high level tournament fishing my thought process has been every year focus on something that's uh that's that's really going to be whether it's an area or a lake specifically or something that's like like that where it's a current related situation i mean like that to me is is a good way to really have that like okay obviously i have my regular tournament season all the tournaments to fish but my one really heavy thing i'm going to focus on this year is boom i'm every weekend that i have free i'm going to go to that lake I'm, you know so i like that mindset well i, I mean like dude uh, um <laughs> i actually decided uh, like no joke this is not for the show yeah. um i decided like i had said i was going to fish it for like five years but I made up my mind 100% after I watched your video where you broke down major tournament lakes. Dude, um, thanks. It, yeah. Well, no, but I mean, because it makes sense. Like I I knew one of the reasons that it was very valuable to me to fish Cayuga so much was because a lot of high level events for a while had gone there. Um, so I'm like, oh, my experience on there is really valuable. And that is why I started going to Oneida because I noticed at the time the Costas were going. I noticed the open was going at the time, like they were scoring points that eventually made it on your list. So after I fished the SLR is, I think I might've watched it even on the way home. I want to, I want to say that I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think on my drive home from the St. Lawrence, the day after I fished the BFL super, which was day three of the open, um, since I didn't make day three, I came, I was watching it on my three hour drive home and i'm like well, actually it was four hours home because it was from messina it's mm -hmm. only three hours from clayton i live but i was like it's time it's time for me to learn the next major body of water that is going to help me progress my career and right now the slr is it is number it's number, it's one, number one yeah so yeah. like i i mean and like they talked about it on that on you know, uh, Castledine and Upshaw and Hallman's show the other day, like, dude, there's like, I can the schedule set up perfect for him. Like Upshaw even said he wasn't, he wasn't terribly surprised that Mike requalified mm -hmm. because the schedule lined up in his wheelhouse. Well, right now, um, I, I believe if the schedule generally stays the same, I've been fishing the BFLs and the major bodies of water in this area long enough that someday a little bit of luck and a lot of experience will help line me up for when it's my time. Mm -hmm. And I, all I'm going to do is keep plugging away. It's time to go to the next body of water for me. And, and honestly, after that, I'm going to start going to Chesapeake all the time because that's three hours and 15 minutes away. So I'm going to give it like three, four years of SLR. And then I'll start spending the weekends on the Chesapeake. Like I I'm, I'm centrally located to so much and closely located to nothing. So like <laughs> I, I had an option, like I bought this house in June. I thought about moving to Oneida. I thought about moving closer to Philly. Like I ain't going anywhere. I'm centrally located for what is, going to line up to be my career at whatever level it ends up being it's yet to be seen but i'm, I'm staying right here well here, here's a question for you uh at, so say you know you mentioned getting a lot of experience on on these few lakes right and then that the time comes with a little bit of luck and experience that maybe you'll qualify right okay so say you qualify all right first question are you going to take that opportunity to go fish the elite series did we talk about this on the first time we filmed this? 
I don't think we talked about it if you. I know you and I have, right? I I know I've talked. We talked on the phone. Yeah. So, um, I have a great gig with Alpha. I mean, it's not like a financially lucrative gig, but uh, I have a great gig with them. (laughs) I'm not going to sacrifice the career I have now, where my fishing industry career is kind of heading. And I'm not going to sacrifice my financial future if I don't, if, if like, I'm not going to put it all on the line to fish the Bassmaster Elite Series. Mm. I'm not going to make it through a year and two more events and be broke. Like, it's not for me. If I can't get, and I have a number in my head of what it is, um, if I can't get the money that I believe I need to get in order to make this a calculated risk and not a gamble, I'm not going to, I'll just say no. And it'll be the easiest no I ever said. Um, I don't like saying no to things, but I I won't have any trouble because I've, I'm trying to build a business like Joe LaBarbera fishing LLC is a business and it's a business built around a lot of hard work and love and trust and great relationships I've built with, you know, brands like Sirius Angler and Alpha Angler and Phoenix Boats. And, and I'm not willing, if a lot of these guys aren't ready to financially support me, if our advertising and marketing contracts can't get me to a place where I believe I'm ready to go, like I don't have a trust fund. I'm 35 years old. Like I spent every bit of savings that I have to make a down payment on this house. Like I wanted to put 20% down when I got this mortgage and I did. And you nice. like, I'm just not ready to, I'm not going to put myself in financial stress. And this is why it's not because I I'm not willing to take a risk because I probably take more in my life and, and have taken more in my life. I'd like to think than a lot of the general population. I, I'm comfortable taking risks. What I'm not comfortable with is I know I don't fish good when I'm stressed out. Like mm. when my personal life sucks, I fish like crap. Um, and, and I don't want to have to worry about cashing a check to survive. Mm-hmm. I want cashing a check to be, let's go get some cut ice cream and cut it up <laughs> and have some fun. And if I don't cash a check, I just get to enjoy the journey, use it as a learning experience, try to take what I learned and like transition. Like everybody talks about the 24 hour period. You're allowed to bitch and moan after you suck and then get back on the horse and start riding again. And I don't even like taking 24 hours. Like, dude, I'm done bitching by the time I pull in the driveway. Like, and I am, and I usually drive home that night. Um, I don't stay a lot of days after unless it's like within the St. Lawrence driving distance, but like the St. Lawrence and Oneida, I'm coming home after I'm done fishing and, uh, and the Chesapeake too. the James, the James I did. And it was like the worst choice I ever made. It was like eight hours of me, like almost going to die falling asleep, <laughs> like slapping myself. But my point is like, I, dude, I, I enjoy the journey. I, and I'm, I'm not going to put everything in jeopardy. Like I, I just want to fish good. Like when I'm ready to do it, I want to do it right. It's the reason I don't have a YouTube channel yet. 
Like when I'm ready to do it, I want it to be the right way. Like I want it to be a way I'm proud of. Um, and I'm, I know I won't do good. Like if, if I have to, if I have to fork up a bunch of money and I don't know, go sell my body out there on the street, like <laughs> just to pay my entry fees. Like I'm not going to fish. Well, I just won't. I, yeah. I, I don't want to be eating peanut butter and jelly like Brandon, like Brandon might've been able to do it at age 24. I'm not going to be able to do it at age 35. Like it's not, that's not Joe LaBarbera. Like I will make this a financially sustainable business and it'll be a business decision. Um, I hope I get there. If I don't, it's cool. Like I'll enjoy the journey. I'll fish the opens forever. Like it's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with it. And, and see, that's, that's a good answer because like if, where I was going to go at is like, if you said you were going to accept and I, I, first of all, actually, I really respect how like being able to say like, I would, you know, reject it because I enjoy where I'm at. And that takes a lot of props and uh, ability to say that. But if you said, if you said, yeah, that you were going to take it, I was going to come back and ask is being that you spent all of your time focused on those preliminary lakes. Don't you think that would burn you when you went on to that next level? You know, I, see, some I, people it has and some people and it does. That's where you wanted to go. I got sidetracked. I don't think that. Why, why not? Why because the Northeast division of the BFLs, in my opinion, is the most diverse set of fisheries in the country. Um, we go from fishing the Potomac River in late April, early March to the Chesapeake Bay. And the upper bay is weird. Uh, dude, the Potomac is weird that time of the year. And the Chesapeake is even weirder a month later. And then we go to Cayuga and Oneida and the St. Lawrence, or we go to Oneida, Champlain and the St. Lawrence. And we're talking about some of the most diverse fisheries I've ever heard of when you collectively put them together. I mean, Champlain alone is one of the most diverse fisheries in the country. Um, it's 121 miles long. Yeah, like, and you can fish from the lock that goes to Lake George all the way to Missisquoi Bay in Canada. And it, it, it's diverse. And just like Paul Mueller came out of this region, um, Destin is from Grove City, about 15 minutes from where I went to college. Um, Slippery Rock, what, what. Um, but uh, I just, I believe that fishermen that come out of this region tend to be very versatile fishermen. I mean, there's a lot I need, I need to learn. Um, but I think when it's my time, I, I think I'll have, I think I'll be prepared. I do. I, and I like, I, I think I could be prepared next year if it happens. I don't know if the business would be prepared next year if it happens. I, I hope it would. I, I have a lot of great relationships, but I, I mean, we'll see. I don't know, dude, I'm just riding the bus, man. <laughs> driving it as best as i can but it's got its own autopilot too like yeah i don't know well is uh i i can't believe we haven't even mentioned this yet because it's like one of the first things we mentioned in our preliminary episode that was a oh. disaster <laughs> because of me but is your business ready for any more dunks in the lake before you blast off <laughs> so luckily um <laughs> I, you know are you going to bring multiple if I, if layers? I can cash $3,000 checks, I'll jump off the dock every week. <laughs> like, yeah. like it, it was by far the finish that I'm most proud of yet. And it's not even close to my highest finish. 
but it was just like the cap on an amazing month of fishing. Um, so yeah, dude, I'll, I'll jump in head first every time if I have to, my headlamp survived, like my Red Bull floated. I lost one alpha angler hat and, uh, and just spent like a considerable portion of the morning wet. So, and the funny thing is I didn't put the plug in the boat the next morning either. And NPFL pro Mark Schilling and I like talk a lot and I saw him pulling up with his wife and I was like, dude, can I, can Trinette like stay in the water so I can like slide my boat up on the trailer and like put the plug in. Cause I saw the bilge like just spitting like every five minutes to just like kind of burp a little. And I'm like, I know I forgot to put the plug in. Yeah. So, if I need that stress every morning in a tournament, I'll still take it for three grand every weekend. Like that's like, or yeah. even every other weekend that work for me. <laughs> so I, I hate to, make you say the story for like the third oh, no, time no. but like do you want to tell the folks what happened yeah. at Salem yeah. yeah i'm cool with it dive in deke hasn't heard it so he's got to hear it i gotta hear it man. the All floor right, so, is yours so i had a great practice i knew i wasn't gonna win the derby but like the week after oneida i spent the weekend i like ripping the boat apart and putting it back together because i like to do that um i like to take all the screws out Loctite them, put them all back in. Some of them I like grill super glue them. It just depends on like the location. But like I know every corner of my boat. I'm like Brandon, super OCD, super anal. I do it all myself. Like it's my thing. Um, so I spent that weekend after Oneida. So it would have been that weekend is the last or the first weekend of August. Put everything back together. Um, took me two days to do the, literally everything. Like I was t- tightening down the latches of the compartments and stuff. Everything. Oneida was crazy. It, it beat up my gear. That's what I heard. So every single weekend after that, I spent the weekend at the St. Lawrence. And I knew, like, while I was up there, I think in total, once I got up there the Saturday and Sunday before the Derby, plus Monday, Tuesday, and I didn't fish Wednesday, I think I spent, like, 12 days in a month practicing. Excuse me. And... uh I had caught like 50 over four pounds, but only two of those, two or three of those were over five. Mm. Um, So I knew I was going to be able to weigh in the low twenties, which I kind of needed. Like I was sitting in 42nd after day one of Oneida and, and, and it's my home body of water. I've been calling it that for four and a half years and I bombed and it, I bombed because I was struggling with my personal life. I wasn't getting enough rest. And I actually put the business ahead of the fishing that week. I did a lot of like business stuff um, that I probably in retrospect, like in hindsight, I shouldn't have done, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't do it over again. Uh, I just cut out the personal BS. But uh, um, anyway, like I, I knew I was on good stuff and I knew I'd be okay with that finish because I believed that like, if I could catch 44 and a half pounds, I thought maybe I could make the top 10, but I knew I was going to have to weed through like 20, 25 fish a day to do it. Um, including my co-anglers fish, like, cause I knew they were going to catch a couple. I knew some sure. of the spots I was fishing, they were going to get some cracks at them too. So like I knew 25 fish, 20 to 25 fish were going to have to come in the boat a day for me to get to like 22 and a quarter to 23 a day. Right. But I thought I could catch like 22 and a quarter a day pretty easily Um, because I hadn't really lost a lot of fish in all of those days in practice either. And that's kind of key to the story. 
But uh, I, I, I just felt like I was on a numbers deal and I was going to be really, really happy. So I wake up super early in the morning, like over an hour before my alarm. And I'm like, I'm going to the lake, man. Like, um, I didn't want to go back to bed. I hate waking up to an alarm. So I was going and I was juiced up. So I drive the half hour from Watertown to like up to Clayton and nobody's there. I mean, there was like two guys in the water already and there was no one in line. So I like sped up there, like back my boat in, but I didn't like take my stuff out of the truck. I didn't go through my normal routine. So I just like ripped the transom saver off, unstrapped it. And I like dumped her in and I went and I parked at this really short boat slip up in French Creek. Um, and it's like super dark in that marina. Right? It's so I dark mean, there. I mean, dark. If you guys haven't been there, like any of the listeners, it's dark. Like, so I like quick have to like sprint like a hundred yards back to my trailer, Uh um, pull it off the ramp because people are starting to pull in. It's like four o'clock four like four 30 at this point, like four 30. So people are coming in. Like I might've backed in at like 20 after, and now it's like four 30 people are, you know, those early birds are arriving. So I like park the truck and I like, it takes me a little while to like grab everything and like make sure I have it all. And, you know, like, I I don't know. I'm I'm like, but the whole time I'm like thinking about the plan and uh, I'm like, so my first three spots are all different, but they're all within like 15 miles. And I'm like, okay, if they do this at this place, like what's going to be my rotation? Should I maybe make a second drift or should I just move on to the next one? Like, like, what are my reads? Like, I felt like Peyton Manning being like real cerebral. I was Game like, plan. what are my reads going to be? Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't have a forehead like Peyton Manning. So I should have, that should have like set me off at first. Like, this <laughs> is not for me. Like, but anyway, so I'm doing it and I have like my rain gear, my lunch, like, like uh, a Red Bull. Like, uh, dude, I am hugging all of this stuff while I'm walking back. And uh, I see Bailey. Oh, no, wait, that was later. Okay, you got to tell that part later. But I literally, I get to the boat and like, dude, I straight up just forgot that like literally the dock ended at like the driver's seat of my boat. And I literally, and these docks are like three and a half. They're so tall. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I walked right off the end of one. (laughs) I mean, like arms full. (laughs) Faces what hit the water first. Like I might have gone like this. (laughs) My foot never touched the end of the dock. It just like yoink, like, and I just fell three and a half feet. Oh my! And like I popped up, and like I didn't want to let go of my rain gear or anything. And like it's it's really deep in that marina. Like I never touched. Wow. So like I I mean I was like like gasping for air, like. And like, and like, it's like threw my stuff on the back deck of my boat and like I popped up and I was like, don't laugh yet. And like, I like kind of like got myself together and I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? And I like, my Red Bull was floating. Somebody tossed it to me. Like I realized I lost my hat. I like, I like did a quick inventory. Like, did I still have everything? Mm-hmm. And like, I hadn't lost anything but my hat. And I was like, and I knew I had spare ones in the truck and spare ones in the boat. 
And I was like, I just yell out. I'm like, okay, you can laugh now. And like four dudes just like lose it, like out there in the dark. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> it was so funny, man. Like, and, and then like, but now I start like panicking because I'm like getting a little cold, <laughs> right? And it's like 4.30. I'm like, what am I going to do? And like, people are coming up to me. They're like, Joe, why is your hair all wet? And eventually I just make the like decision after I had somebody like give me a shirt, somebody gave me like a dry pair of bibs, but I didn't want to take like any of my Under Armour layers off. Cause like, as soon as I took my AFCO Reaper off, dude, I was steaming. Like all my body heat was getting out and my, it was getting out through my Under Armour. So I'm like kind of getting a like slightly panicky, like how am I going to manage my energy? Like, and all of the things that I need to manage just to get to my first fishing spot. Like what's the best course of action. And finally, one of my buddies just convinced me, go sit in the truck with the heat on. Like things aren't going to get worse there. At least you're going to be wet, but you'll be warm. Like maybe you can calm down to decide what you should do. And like, I wasn't like outwardly panicky, but in my head I was going like hundred miles an hour. Cause I was like, did I just blow the last month of God knows how much money and like, energy i put into all this and now i may not even find out what the payoff is gonna be and i was like nervous about it and i just like i see bailey while i'm walking back to the truck and i just dude i couldn't even tell him the truth i was like ah i slipped off the end of the dock dude like slipped. i was embarrassed man and i was like watching it all get away from me i was like oh my goodness no uh, but it all worked out. I mean, like I lost 11 fish in that tournament. I think eight of the 11 were, was because it broke them off. Like I caught them all on 30 pound braid to a 15 pound leader. I caught them all on a baycaster, like either Carolina rig or a football jig. And, um, I hadn't really been breaking them off like that in practice. Um, uh, maybe I was and not paying attention that much, but, uh, I mean, I didn't, th- it wasn't at the rate that I did it those two days but I, I know the fish were there to have caught the weight i wanted but i still wouldn't have made the top 10 anyway because it was higher than it than it i ever would have imagined after the pressure that place has taken this year i cannot believe it took 46 pounds to make the top 10 small um, mouth man it's crazy man. it's the number one fishery in the united states for a reason like, that is a fact yeah I, it was it was just funny I parked Chris Johnson's truck, get out of the truck, and I'm like walking around to the hood to go down the hill. Like, it was Corey's, trucks are it was Corey's, right? No, it was Chris. I was with Chris, not Corey. I thought you drew Corey. I don't know. I thought you were driving the PowerPole truck when I saw you. No, it was the underarm truck. Gotcha. Uh, and that's when I saw you. And you're like, you're like, Bailey, you would not believe what I just did. And I was like, well, what? And I can barely see it. it's still pitch black out. And I just see it's I just hear Joe's voice. And he's like, he goes, dude, I fell in the lake. I was like, what? And he goes, Yeah, I fell in. And I'm like, how the heck did you manage that? <laughs> I slow off the dock. I was like, You're an idiot. <laughs> it was rad. It went yeah. like honestly, I think it took my mind off everything. Um, I think I was gonna overthink stuff and it it made me go out and fish. Um, now I don't think it fished great and it did take me a little while to get moving. Cause I did break three off at my first spot. My first three passes rank, 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 broke three freaking jigs off. Um, and I went to my next spot and I lost one on a C rig. Cause I was like, I'm not throwing that jig no more. Um, and, 
And then I lost one on a C rig. I get it back. My Max Temp Beaver is like all balled up. I'm like, what? What is going? Like, am I just destined to do terrible? Um, but at like 9:30, the sun came out. I really got warm by 9:30. I remember looking down, and I was like, I'm not cold anymore. Like the hair, my hair is real long on the back of my neck, and I'm like, my hair is finally dry. I'm starting to warm up. And then I caught a 490. I, I weighed it as 498 on my scale. Like it was bouncing between like five and a quarter and four and three quarters. And like somehow when I hit lock, it was right in the middle. So, and that started everything. Like I was like, okay, I got a five pounder. Like I'm a pound ahead or at least three quarters of a pound ahead than what I thought I needed to be. So let's go to work. And I, I, at that point I had already moved 30 miles east. Um, I passed pa- Paquette and uh, uh, Greg De Palma. We were fishing between, uh, like, we're like kind of inside in the United States side of Brockville. And uh, I saw both of those guys kind of like where I wanted to be. And I pulled up on like my third spot just past them and got a five pounder. And I was like, let's go. And then I put two, three pounders in the boat. And, and I just knew that I was kind of like reading the slightly different wind direction good because I had to modify my drift lines a little like where I was starting and started to come together after that. So I'm, I'm glad it pulled me off my game because on day two, I just went out and fished. I said, after leaving the plug out on day two, I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm not meant to think about it. I just got to roll with it. And I had a blast. Like caught a ton of fish. My co-anglers sacked them pretty good. Like, my co-angler on day two wouldn't have had a dead three zero. He could have made a charge like, but I mean, and I tried to help him out. I'm like, dude, I swear that fish is alive. And uh, he's like, nah, dude, it's dead. I'm like, well, good for you. Like I thought I saw it move a fin and I really did. But like five minutes later, I looked in the live well again and that thing's dead. <laughs> like, no, but he had, he had a five three and a four three that day too. Oh man. So he could have charged. I mean, yeah, I was fishing like, and I didn't go back down to Brockville after that either. Actually, I stayed um, on the Canadian side, just through Eel Bay, um, you know, not far from where Dean Meckes made the top 10. Like, dude, mm-hmm. honestly, my starting spot is where Dean spent like two thirds of his day on Bass Live, um, like within a couple hundred yards. Um, I never fished the drift he was on, but I mean, they live there. Like they live all over the river, but apparently a big number of them must live there. The main guide out of Clayton, New York is fishing that area. So, and nobody told me about it. Like, I mean, I just went up there one day and I thought it looked good. You know, old Dean Megas. Dude, I didn't know exactly. who he was. Yeah, dude's exactly. a straight camera. Like I've done my yeah. research since. Like, <laughs> dude doesn't mess around. No, he does not. And he was fishing very similar to the way you were. That's exactly right. the same. I'm just using a way different rod. I'm using um, a 7.5 medium extra fast running 30 pound braid to like an FG knot um, to 15 pound Tatsu. Like I've tried some other lines. Like I tried running 17 pound Abrazex. I, I don't know. I, I, I thought 15 Tatsu just kind of matched well. It ties a good knot with that 30 pound cigar uh smackdown so now this football jig you're throwing are you throwing like a 
more of a lighter gauge hook or is it just like your straight up, you know, beefcake hook on your football jig? Or am I asking too personal questions? Yeah, I see some, some flinching going on. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like for the most part, I'm just, I'm throwing like a pretty open water. Like it's a seven, five medium. Like it's not a huge rod. Yeah. So like, uh, so my favorite is not by the jig company that sponsors me. Um, but I, I love the depths headlock, dude. I think the depths headlock in a half ounce, see in a half ounce and in a five eighths ounce, they, they're using a completely different hook. Like it might be the same okay. shape, but it doesn't have the same gap and it's not the same wire. So like I use them both. Um, I love them both. The, the half ounce is really similar to the beast coast half ounce that like, uh, that they just, they spent like three years developing. I helped them with a little bit, but then I kind of lost touch with them. Um, cause smallmouth crush wanted a part of it. Um, but tra- Travis fishes up there way more than I do. He has way more time to give way better input than me. So like, I totally understand. I think it was a brilliant business decision on their part to get a guy that lives on the St. Lawrence river lives on the beast coast, um, to give more input. Um, and plus I was busy, like I was buying a house and I was having personal life issues and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, the jig's not exactly the way I would have finished it. Um, I like the depths one a little bit better, but I'll tell you right now, there's about 50, where's my jig box. There's like at least 50 in package or in a, in packages still in a box sitting next to my football jig box, which is full. And then I have like at least 40 or 50 headlocks too. So they're the two jig that I throw in open water. Now there's no weed guard on either of them. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've used like Mullox makes a decent one. I just cut the weed guard off of it. Uh, the Picasso Aaron Martins one's really dope too. Um, my problem with the Aaron Martins one is for some reason, I think if you're going to use a beaver, it seems like a beaver always balls up in that one. I don't know if it's like the titanium wire, like we guards. It has like three, like, like I can't even, I'm not good as sock puppets, but like I always get like my beaver pulled up. Like if I'm going to use the Picasso, I, I have to run the big TRD um, from Z-Man on the back of it. I, I can't run a beaver on the Picasso for some reason. Are you are you a, mostly on those open water football jigs? Are you a beaver trailer guy? I let them tell me what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was only going to run a Ned rig actually for the Derby, and uh, it seemed like kind of like like from the weekends I was up there prior, and then I kind of just like saw a shift right before the tournament, and uh, I just all of a sudden like they wanted two flappers instead of one tail. I don't know. It just, it shifted for me. Um, it, like I cannot wait till that new chigger comes out though. Like I may have a few cause I'm sneaky and resourceful. Um, but that new three inch chigger is I'd like, dude, I have to take the max scent creature or creature hog right now. And like, I feel like a surgeon, like going to town, like, trimming it and angles and like, <laughs> I, I just can't wait till the jigger comes out so i can take it out of the package and put it on there like yeah because yeah i mean i i prefer to run a beaver when i can because i want to give off more max scent but sure. like sometimes they don't eat it like that 
Um, Oneida, I think they actually eat the TRD better, but really, yeah, because so Oneida's most like there are a ton of gobies in there, and it's becoming there's more like the population is growing tremendously, but okay. uh, there's a lot of sculpin in there too, and Champlain has a lot of sculpin, and I know the lakes that have sculpin seem like if you trim that skirt all the way back so it's just flares like a finesse skirt and you and you run a turd on it it seems to be the juice more often than not so like i tend to run the big turd at oneida excuse me and uh i tend to like run a trim back beaver on the saint lawrence i don't know it could be the size of the fish too like the saint lawrence is seven pounders on it I've only caught like three smallmouth in five years over five pounds at Oneida. So um, it could just be the class of fish and the forage, you know, like, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. A lot of factors. Mm -hmm. What I'm taking out of this is that you don't leave a weed guard on your jigs. You do that Bailey on deep water stuff. I mean, I don't don't really throw that much for, for smallmouth, but like, I don't really swim a jig with much of much of a weed guard in it too. Like I'll take, I'll take like half that weed guard and I'll just start chopping it out. Like I'll chop it all the way back to the head. Like I'm not a big weed guard guy. I think if you're fishing grass where I live, it's so healthy that I want to hang it on the grass and then I want to pop it off. Mm. Like, so like, I don't even fish in a swim jig. I don't have much use for a weed guard. Like well, dude, when I'm fishing a chatterbait, like sometimes I'll fish a chatterbait in three and a half feet of water, but I'll fish a three quarter ounce because I want to bury that thing. And then I want to crack it out of there. Like, I mean, if you're fishing good, healthy northern vegetation, which is where I live. I mean, when I go down to the Potomac, it's different. But when I not even always there, like just depends on the year and the area of that body of water that you're fishing like. Not a big weed guard guy most of the time. I mean, I, I think I'm lucky to to be able to say that. Yeah. But I mean, I don't live in Alabama, you know, like our grass dies off every single year if they don't kill it with pesticides <laughs> and then mow it down with the mowers. And uh then it's gotta grow back healthy every year. And it's a short growing season. So we're talking about grass is really only growing from like June first to like first week of September and then nights drop into the forties and it starts dying. And we have, we have grass that tops out like 15 feet of water, 17 feet of water. Some years, some years it only gets halfway up, up in 15 feet of water, but like that stuff's healthy. If it's growing that fast and that few, few number of weeks. So like we're talking about some healthy grass, you can really hang it, snap it. Like that's fun fishing in the summer. One Oh one in my book. That's awesome, man. No, Bailey, and I didn't mean like, oh, you don't do that with weed guards. I just always, I trim mine or I have them. If I'm not fishing around wood, uh, if I'm on a deep football jig bite, man, it's gone. Like I learned that fishing the ledges on Kentucky Lake, just having no, I mean, you might be on a bomb cast with a three quarter ounce or a one ounce jig and just having nothing in the way of that hook. But I, I am curious to try i'm going to try some of that even with our grass around here it's not like your guys's grass but we do have some lakes especially in like nebraska that get a lot of grass and it's it's all northern strain and it's 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 very healthy grass um and 
I'm curious to try stuff without a hook. I mean, I'd obviously like a chatter without a weed guard rather like chatterbait, obviously no weed guard there. And I've done that exact same thing, getting it hung and ripping it out but with like a swim jig. I've always had that weed guard on there, but it, you know, maybe it's better to just have that thing and zip it right out of it. Deke, I, I fish a three quarter ounce jackhammer more than I fish any other chatterbait. Wow. And like, I don't care if there's only 18 inches between top of the water and the grass, like, or, in the in first thing in the spring down on the Chesapeake, that's what I'll be slow rolling. Like, mm. dude, I fish a black and blue three quarter ounce more than any other bait. And I just mess with the trailer. Like I'll, I'll put um, like a skinny beaver or not a skinny beaver, uh, a skinny dipper on the back if I want it to ride high. And then I'll put a more fluke style trailer on it if I want it to run lower. Like I, I got no like three quarter ounce. I, I'm hanging it because I want to hang it. Mm-hmm. If, even if the grass is only this long on the bottom, I, I want to hang it in there. Like, yeah. Create that reaction strike. Well, I mean, it, it just, if it, it feels, feels like home too. Like wherever I travel, like we all re- revert back to the techniques that we feel comfortable doing and that we enjoy fishing. And like, I, I don't want to be out there aimlessly winding stuff. Like I want to get into something and I want to hit it and I want to snap it. And like, that's that's me like if i gotta fish with a bait caster and i don't get to fish with a spinning rod like if i gotta wind that old thing like i'll, I'll i need something to do i got adhd to the max man <laughs> like self-diagnosed man. i want to do something <laughs> i'm with you that's Maybe why you start playing around with that more like when i know there's no grass around taking all taking the weed guard completely off i don't i don't do that like i'll be honest i, I had a queen tackle finesse football jig tied out for st lawrence to drag and i I mean, I trim all my, you know, all that I throw, but I don't remove them completely. Get it out of there. Get it out of there, man. No, nothing to get in the way of that hook. Well, because here's the thing. Is but, I can't, but I also say that, though, because I haven't had an issue with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. And now you definitely yeah. won't. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, this is fair. <laughs> there's no, there, isn't, there isn't a single weed out in the middle of that lake. Like, there's too much turbulent water. It ain't growing out there. You don't need yeah. that thing. And here's the thing too, like, like if they slack line me and they really get it into their crushers, I don't want anything poking, poking them to where they're going to drop. Spit it right out. Like, I don't like, cause when those fish come and they slack line you, you don't know if they have that thing twisted upside down backwards. Like, I don't want anything in my way. Um, and that's what I worry about. I'm not worried about like your standard bite. Like, I know, like, if I'm making a drift or if I'm, like, at Oneida and I'm, like, bringing it up that boulder, that, like, and they just come and they go, like, I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is when they come and they hit it at, like, mock butthole and it gets all (laughs) twisted up in their mouth, like, I'm going to yank and who knows, like, my rod might be back here when I yank, you know, like, I'm just trying to control as many variables as I can. Makes sense, man. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's something I need to start doing a little bit. Did you just write that down? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I I do this for every show. I always Bailey is the king of notes. He learns so much just to do stuff, and he'll just here we go. And then like look up some like the other night. He's like looking up tackle (laughs) and stuff. He's like, wait, what were those guys? Yeah. So (laughs) we have Caleb. We have Caleb and Alex on for Monday Night Live, and I literally have my show notes from that other night because like. 
this is why I started this whole serious anger thing from the beginning. It was like I, I wasn't going to be able to fish when I had an internship for six months. So I was like, why don't I just talk to people? That way I might not be able to learn as much on the water, but I'm still learning off the water for when I'm out of here. Maybe I could start using this crap. Uh, so from Monday night, I literally have notes like Caleb started talking about an Asian fishing portal, and I don't know what the hell that is. So I'm going to go look into that now. He's saying this stuff out loud, Bailey. I mean, it's already on Monday's show, dude. And people hate me. From... Time. <laughs> I, I thought it was before the show started airing, but I could be no, wrong. It's, it's okay. Let me let me re-leak <laughs> some juice that from our previous show, too. So I was talking about my favorite brand of crankbaits. And Full texts me the next day, and he goes, so what colors should I get? And no lie, like yesterday or the day before, he texts me, just put in another order. And like, yeah. so he was like, had to get the juice right so um what is that I wasn't, like, I wasn't here for this I, yeah, no, well, no, I mean well when when you guys asked me the my final question we can always talk about them some more um because i believe this lure designer is the best ever which really? is a tall order and not a lot of people know who he is in the united states um but his baits sell out in japan and here like that and the only other person I've ever heard actually say the brand name out loud before was Trait. Now, I know other people that use them. I know pros that use them. Oh, I've heard Menendez say their name out loud, too. But uh, it's pretty kept under wraps. But, like, honestly, if you're watching this show, you've probably heard about them. Or you're on the verge, too. And and this is how I heard about this stuff. So, like... And, and I've got kind of like an in to like find them in Japan now. So I don't have to worry about the like three places that get them in this country. So I'm not really worried about like you stealing my inventory, but I have hundreds. Um, I have dozens in the box in case I lose a couple to toothy critters. Uh -huh. um, so like, I mean, but he's my number one when you guys ask me the final question. So we can talk about him some more. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of of what you do with tackle too. Like I and I've actually what I just did is I just got on on Amazon uh, some of those uh, pegboards, right? Like these these kind of heavy duty pegboards for plastics in the garage now. And I yeah. am so much of a person who's like, all right, I know what I use in a year, like roughly, especially. So I have a stockpile that is just like. Man, like people, like I love it's, it. a lot. <laughs> it's a good feeling to have because you know, it's like, an investment, it's sold yeah. out. It's an yeah. investment. Yeah. I mean, I got all of my flatworms for two years last November. <laughs> um, and then a bunch of the Elite Series guys, like, kind of find, found out I had some. So I had to stock three of those guys up before the Northern Swing. Darn it. But, uh, you know, it's, I was happy to do it because I know the day I come calling, it's going to be saving grace it's true. for me. So, um, you know, I still have enough to get me through a whole nother year. Um, a lot of those guys sent them back to me too, the stuff they didn't use. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of just, I'm a stockpiler. I can't help it. I can't roll up to a place. I mean, dude, it's an investment in my future. If I don't, I have stuff too that I bought that I haven't used for like two, three years. And I still haven't tried that bait yet, but when the conditions come, like I will, like I will, I, it's an investment in my future. It is, man. Yeah, I have a lot to learn when it comes to 
debates. Like majority, 99% of my time is spent like learning like fishing placement stuff versus like what to throw. I am like you asked Andrew, I am so bad about that. Like I am just very streamlined, like especially when it comes to he's like very meticulous with colors. I'm like green pumpkin, black and blue, white. That's all I throw at it. Cause I try because I'm a simple, I'm a simple minded human being. And if I try to overcomplicate things, it's just gonna hurt me in the long run. So that's why I keep it like I'll use one to three different brands of a specific bait, a couple colors, and I keep it at that. Otherwise, I'm just gonna run myself just Deke, what are you off the path? Dude, I'm okay. I am very interesting when it comes to this because I Bailey, I think that that it's an advantage to be like that. Like if you really look at like what guys throw, like I mean, there's some guys who are like I use five plastics and I will net like and they're elite series guys who are making a ton of money every year. Right. Like I think there's an advantage there. I think there's also some little sneaky things that are cool. So like for me, what I feel like I'm like a little bit more in the middle. Like it's interesting. Like I can sit here and we'll be talking with like Andy and Bailey will be like completely like what are you, what bait are you guys, like, what are you guys even explaining right now? <laughs> Cause he's like Berkeley flatworms, like, you know, and, and it's, it's <laughs> cool. But like, I, I dig in deep on hard baits, on frogs, on like, that's kind of more where I have like more sneaky things that I try and, and, and find plastics for me, man, I'm pretty simple. Very simple, very simple with colors, very simple with um, a couple of, of brands that I like. But as far as like hard baits go, that's where I'll explore and spend some money or a rigs too. You can find some cool a rigs that are higher quality than just your traditional a rig if you're allowed to use them. And, and so like that kind of stuff I mess with, but uh, I'd say I'm hard baits particular, not so much when it comes to soft baits. It's awesome to hear that. I, I've, I, I'm still trying to, decide where i land that's what i wanted to know i mean like dude i'm just i'm not a simple guy yeah um and i feel like every year i simplify the things i feel like i have become more of an expert on Mm. and but at the same time i'm always constantly adding new additions and with those additions comes a loss of simplification in a new area so it completely changes um, things yeah. So like, I feel like I've never actually become more simple. I feel like what happens is, is I learn a little bit more for the stuff that I love. And so that becomes more simple, um, except for mid diving crankbaits. Like I will own every single color. Cause I tend to be the type of guy with when cranking uh-huh. that I'm really like in my head, I've had a few experiences I can't get away from. So I believe like if I change an angle and change my color, I can refire up a school of small mouth or large mouth, depending on which body of water I'm on. And so I have to own every color. Like mm. I'm really bad about it, but because I know the, the drawing power that they have, and I gain a lot of confidence from changing a color and changing angles and still making it like in, in my ability to not have to leave because I'm not like a runner and gunner that much. Like I'm going to pick apart an area. So I think that kind of is what plays into like when it comes to like being particular, when it comes to OSP crankbaits, like, uh, like that's only two different 
baits, like two rows at the bottom, two rows at the top. But like, I gotta have them all. Yeah. Um, and darn, I just said the name, but like and now I, I've heard this name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but, with. uh, yeah. So like, it's just, I don't know. Like there are certain things I'm like silly about and certain things that like, I wish I could be uh, even more simple. Like I wish I could be like Gussie and just be like, I'm using the hula sticks and green pumpkin. That's it. <laughs> but like, I can't, can't be my only Ned rig. It, I can't do it. I'm not wired quite yet for that. And maybe I don't feel like I've reached expert level yet. Maybe someday. Um, but like I carry like four frogs um, because I mean, that's, I, I can be simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I carry like four different color chatterbaits because I don't need a ton. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot in the truck, but like I only use them. Like if I, if the chatterbait I feel like is the deal, I only have like four in the boat, like mm-hmm. four colors at a time. Um, just trying to become more of a minimalist. I like it. Dude, I, see, that's where I like go crazy, especially with chatterbaits. Like I only own three colors and that's it. Like I hear people talking about like, oh, I got to mix up this little color with that. And I, I go, I'll go crazy with trailers, but like when it's just chatterbait, dude, I won't, oh. I won't own other than a black and blue, a green pumpkin or a oh. white. I don't know. I, I love the jig. Like, I look at, like, people that are so picky about, like, the underbelly of a jig head on it, and I'm like, the fish isn't going to give a shit about that. I, I don't know. That's Dude, the me. funny thing about the jackhammer, too, is they make different colors in Japan. Uh-huh. So, like, the colors we think we have here, there's even more. Dude, like, and I went nuts one winter. Like, I went way over my head. And they're a little cheaper in Japan, too. So, like, you know, I was like, well, if I'm going to spend $25 on DHL shipping, like, we might as well just order just... 450 bucks worth of jackhammers. Like, I had to have like three every one and half and three quarter. Like, I don't know. I had lost control. <laughs> Are they tungsten over there, too? Um, I believe they'd seem like they're the same size though. So I don't, I don't know. It's confusing. I got to learn how to read Japanese. I think I think <laughs> it's the only way we're going to get to the bottom of this one. <laughs> Dude, I've told Andrew a few times that like, I really want to learn Japanese. And that started like Destin and I went down to Lake Fork back before they went down there for pre-practice. And I was allowed to go. I got cleared by bass cause I'd never been there. And we pull into our rental for the week and stay next to us is Takuito. So we got to see him a few days. And I was, it's just like that language barrier. It was like, it's cool to see him, but like you can't get to talk to him like at a, in an efficient way. And I like from yeah. that point on, I was like, I need to learn Japanese at least a little bit. And I've, got, I've been, I've been fortunate to like through my job, I've worked with Ken Duke a bunch. And like, I've, every time I see him, I have him teach me like, two to three sayings because his wife's Japanese and he teaches me a couple different sayings in Japanese to say to guys. So So I, uh, I have a buddy who's been here for like 12 years. I met him through the Featherwick guys. Um, and, uh, Akira is like one of the best co-anglers in our country. Mm -hmm. And he, he used to travel until COVID with, uh, Toshinari Namiki who, owns osp and toshi should be back next year to try to fish all nine opens again and try to qualify again um and 
uh, Akira has an amazing OSP soft bait collection. I'm a big OSP hard bait guy. I prefer the medium divers. Trait really prefers the the blitz shallow runners. Um, but I have uh, a bunch of the other like goofy ones too that I, I really have fallen in love with also. Um, but uh, and now they make a, a new a new Magnum. They used to have only a Magnum MR. Now they have an SR. But anyway, uh, I I've like told Akira like you have to let me meet this guy. Like when he comes back, I, I have to meet him, and you have to translate for me. And I'm probably going to spend a decent portion of this winter trying to learn a few things um, so that I can talk to this man. Like, I, I really would love to. I, I believe the guy's a genius. Do so, you have you thrown an OSPs? What? Have you ever thrown an OSP correctly? No. Nope. Yeah, I you don't want them. to. You yeah, should. No, I should throw them out. <laughs> man, um, no, so so my connection, my only connection to this, uh, Bailey, I don't know, did, you met Kaito when we were at the Classic, right? The guy that I went to the Classic with? You remember? I got to plug this in. guy? I want to say so, but it's not ringing a bell. Okay, so he moved to he moved to Dallas uh, from here. So he went to school at CSU. We both fished on the CSU bass fishing team, and so he grew up in California, um, and actually worked for Lucky Craft and grew up like at Lucky Craft's headquarters, kind of. So it was really really cool. Oh, but wow. he's he's one hundred percent fluent fluent in in Japanese, and uh, he goes back to Japan all the time with his family. Um, Anyways, it was really cool to see him at the classic. But if we ever want to side note, like have a show with a Japanese angler and need a translator, he's a hundred percent in. Like he said that to me. I had him on my show on business from the bass book before we merged and stuff, just to talk about his experience with Lucky Craft. And um, he's a financial advisor in Dallas now, but he's a is a is a good fisherman, a good dude. And at the classic, he was actually uh, like he he walked up to Taku and and they like completely went off in Japanese and I was like I don't know what you guys are talking about but this is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, you're from like the scene in Good Burger. We're like yeah I know some of these words. <laughs> Dude like like they like I know none of these words. Yeah like they bowed <laughs> to each other and they were like chatting all this stuff and I was just like I don't know what's going on but like this is so cool because Kaito is one of my like good buddies from college so it was it was fun but that it's it's really cool to hear about. I mean he's a hard bake freak just like joe is i mean when it comes to like japanese hard base but it's it's really cool to hear the side of that whole thing with japan hard baits yeah dude we need to uh we need to get that set in stone let me know like, yeah but uh let's see uh take a take a stab at what is leading this Bassmaster open right now oh i've been watching so i can't oh, don't cheat all right well last joe last joe yeah what are you asking joe we're asking you a lot of a series of very intensive uh, questions that require math. Seventh, sorry, I just saw that. <laughs> I did see that. I was going to bring it up. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got excited. I've been following the opens like it's. I mean, my day job, man. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe. What do you think weight wise is leading Bassmaster Open on Smith right now? Oh. There's we'll been see. hold up, hold up. There's been 71 anglers that have weighed. Yeah. So a third of the field. Don't look down. Put your phone away. No, no, no. I'm playing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at your phone. No, Believe no. It. You cheater. Your phone's over here. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, my mommy texted me. Um, <laughs> hey, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, 
14, 14 and a half. Wow. That was pretty damn close. <laughs> 14 but I, but I would imagine the spread is very fast still yeah. at this point. 14, 2, like, 13, 3, 11, 11, 10, 10, 9, 9. Like, they're only, let's see, 9, 10, only 11, 12. I'm seeing 12 limits out of 70 plus people. Yeah, I mean. Fall fishing, man. Yeah, it, well, and it's like not quite early fall, fall yet. early fall, especially down there. Like it's like, but I heard it's not even fall yet there. Yeah. Like, what have you guys checked the nighttime temps? I didn't check them. No, but no, like any of that, like that's why I'm hoping with you follow that it's like a fall bite. You know what I mean? I don't want to go on a winter bite on a brush pile lake. Like, I hope it's still like chasing bait in the fall kind of a thing being December. Yeah, I am, mean, dude. I. I, I don't know. Like, I, I just hope it's what you want it to be when you get there. I, I, I just hope I, I'm just hopeful for you. Like, yeah. I hope it sucks for everybody else and it's yeah. great for you. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I just want to see my friends be happy. I don't even care about success at any level. I just hope they have success in their own lives. You know, like, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what it's going to be. I mean, I got some guesses. Again, like I just hope, it, like in sixty days, that's what it is, you know. Exactly, man. This is fair. All right, boys, we are gonna start wrapping things up here. I actually have a friend uh, coming into town. I uh, was actually I haven't seen since. Hold, hold on, can I do one shameless plug that I did last time too? Oh yeah, I mean we're still not done. I still got another question for you. I, yeah. I gotta do the do your dial plug. The the Daiwa reels, like the the shameless Daiwa plug, like yeah. Rembrandt reels, Doctor Daiwa, like hooked me up with the Steez one thousand. Oh, I'll save his favorite for last. He called that one Blue Thunder. This is an Alphas eight hundred, so the new Alphas. That's the Red Baron. Jeez. And uh, the New Zillion 1000, so the Japan model of the G, he hooked that up. Uh, so we were joking. Like, what's Some that wizardry like, right there. That's a sesame chicken, doesn't it? Or no, that's what he said. And he, he's like, I guess uh, he asked uh, the Di- one of the Daiwa guys to send him um, – what it would look like, like one of the Dio Japan guys to send him what it would look like. It, like what would venomous Viper be? Because that's what he wanted to call this one. He like had the idea for it before I even sent him the reel. Um, he reached out to me and was like, Hey, I want to paint one of your zillions. Like, can you let me paint it whatever color I want? And I'm like, what's it going to cost me, dude? I, you're, I've seen your work. It's like way out of my league. And he's like, no, just send it to me. Like I want to paint it. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm in, dude. Like you don't have to ask me more than once. And uh, so he he got that. He he wrote it on there, and like he prints on the back all his reels. He puts Rembrandt reels in the year on there, like RR twenty one. Um, but yeah, this is each of the three like reels that came out early season. So they dropped in Japan right after, right around the canceled Japan. Uh, like show that they have that's like their iCast. I forget what it's called every year. Um, Daiwa Japan dropped these three reels. So it was the Steez 1000 Limited, the Zillion 1000, um, which has the aluminum gear, whereas the American Zillion SVTWG, the global, has the brass gear. Um, and it, I believe, may actually be made in Taiwan, whereas 
this one's made in Japan. Um, and then the Alphas 800. Um, they dropped those back in early, early spring. Um, and they are sick, dude. I don't want to run. Brandon put a zillion post up today. I don't want to mm. run anything but this reel anymore, dude. Wow. Like, <laughs> zillions are the silliest. I, dude, I could throw away everything. And I've, I've been like a big Daiwa Japan supporter for a lot of years. Like the whole TW generation. I've been a supporter since they started the T-Wing. I have a lot of friends that love the OG, like Team Daiwa stuff. And I like the TW series. And I some of them are awesome and some of them really suck. And this is by far the, the best reel they've ever produced. But yeah, shout out to Rembrandt for hooking me up, dude. Yeah. Look at you and your fancy flashy Daiwas. Dude, I'm <laughs> like, I actually, like, I run a reel for every single rod I have. Like, I'm not a switcher. Mm-hmm. Like they have to have their thing. Like I switch on some of my swim bait stuff, but uh, like, cause I, I flip flop some of my swim bait, a rig rods, mm-hmm. um, depending on like water temp and you know what I'm running, but they're the only ones I flip flop. Like my straight up, like summer stuff, like I got like 80 rods and 80 reels. Like that's pretty much like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I get you. I'm not a flip-flopper. I have a big spreadsheet that I got to show Deacon sometime that like stuff. And like, I rarely change line size with a lot of the stuff that I do too. Like every winter the the spreadsheet gets revamped. Like I put a new page down in the corner of the Excel tab, like 18, 19, 20, 21. Like I can't wait to add 22 come December and start working on the new one. You know, dude, I like you have to send me that. I'll have to modify it and make one for myself, dude. It's like, (laughs) and it's fun. Like, you like us we have a off season and uh-huh. I, and like i don't deer hunt like i'm gonna steelhead fish for like five weeks here um you know you start with like two weeks of salmon and then you get three or four weeks of steelhead and like then it's over and it's cold and icy and i can only go ice fishing for like four hours before i'm just bored out of my mind you know i'm with so, you I don't know, like I need something to do and I mess with tackle. I'm a tackle hoarder and I'm a gear geek and like I love the hookup tackles bento box every month. It's like the biggest waste of a hundred dollars ever, but I can't stop. I'm like addicted. <laughs> like because I have so much of it. It's not a waste because to me it's a waste. You want to know why it's a waste is because like I, now I only have one of that bait. And I'm yeah. like, if I don't like it, it it's like, uh but like, if I like it, I'm like, well, there's no more in that color in stock. How am I going to get more? Like, so to me, that's a waste because I can't have 40. Yeah. Like, like if, if, so I don't know, but it, it does help me. Like, I, I even think I saw Gussie post about it once. Like, it helps me keep my thumb on what's new and exciting. And I need something to do, man. Like, I'm a single 35-year-old guy. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I just... I, I I'm very passionate about this sport and I want to learn as much as I can. And I spend too much money sometimes, but it makes me happy. Like it, it's my thing. I'm with you. Thank you. Well, Deacon, you got anything left for, for Joe here? Before let him go. No, man. I'm glad. Actually, I, I feel bad that the, uh, the audio messed up for you guys, but I'm glad that I could make this one. So uh, maybe it was, it was, a, it was a good thing that that happened. It was destiny. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the I world told, was sick of Andy's voice. 
No, I mean, I can't. I get to hear <laughs> Andy. I'm going steelhead fishing with him on November 1st. Nice. So, yeah, I'm going to drive up to Buffalo because this is my nirvana. When the season is over, like I had a guy this weekend from Oklahoma come up to me and he's like, dude, why aren't you guiding up here? I'm like, nah, no, nah, man, this is this is my serenity now. Like, like I felt like Costanza's father, like serenity now. Like, <laughs> just, It's the thing I do after running the trolling motor hard. So like I actually told Bailey, I'm like, I, I was I was really hoping I'd get to be on the show at some point with Deke because. I think we're very analytical about a lot of things for sure. And um, so I really like, I wanted to meet you, dude. I really wanted to get to know you. Um, and I'm going to get to hang out with Andrew in person. So this, yeah. this was good. Like it was, it was fate, you know? Yeah, man. It worked out. Absolutely. Oh, well, we already know uh, what's your, uh, your, your top three folks that you'd like to take to uh, dinner, get a steak and a beer, but, I can make quickly. it pretty simple this week, this time, this go around. Yeah, just let, let the folks know your, your top three, and then uh, we're going to wrap things up here. It's, it's real simple for me. Like, I'd choose a lure designer. I'd, I'd choose a guy who I want to learn a technique from. And then I'd choose somebody who I can talk to about something other than bass fishing, but still, like, in the fishing world, in the outdoor mm-hmm. world. So, for me, I, I'd choose Toshi. I think uh, I think he's by far the number one lure designer ever. Like, not to take anything away from Yuki Ito or even the team at Berkeley that came up with such a great scent. Like, nothing to not to take anything away from what these guys have done. But I live in the Great Lakes and I love to crank for smallmouth. And, and Toshi has come up with a set of crankbaits, both square bill and mid diving, that without a weight transfer system still cast better farther more accurate than any other crankbait ever designed um he makes a phenomenal jerkbait like mark menendez has been talking about the osp varuna for like more than a half dozen years um like from square bill to jerkbait to like and their soft plastic line is coming along like mm. And uh, so I, Toshi, number one, easy. I, I mean, I probably have to get a translator, but I'm not counting them in my top three. Um, <laughs> number two, like, dude, I got, to, I've got, I've been following Chris to like his shows, Zaldane for like five years now. I met him the first time and dude, he really made me feel like the second time I met him, like he remembered our first conversation. And then cool. we talked for like 45 minutes, dude. I had his full undivided attention in a store full of people waiting to talk to him. He didn't stop talking to me. And ever since then, I've been like a big fan. And I started, I started following him really closely. And when he started implementing big baits into his arsenal and then started talking about small baits into his arsenal. And, and we, as Chris gained more and more success in the last five years he's been exposed to the ability to talk about his versatility more and i've learned that he's a tremendous teacher and i'm a teacher by by trade um so my like i think he's just a downright awesome guy he's a phenomenal teacher and i want someday for him to take me spooning uh for smallies because watching him do that on champlain on live 
I already knew he could do it amazing, and I wanted to learn how to throw the big hubcap for largemouth down south on a TVA body of water someday. But now that I know he can do the same thing for smallies, like he, I mean, that, that skyrocketed him right behind Toshi. And then my number three, I like tossed it around for a while because no lie, like Mark Zona does narrate my life when I'm by myself running the trolling motor a lot. I don't know if any of you guys also have that. Dude, for sure. Um, but like, dude, him and Tommy Sanders have really like been the voice of like what Joe LaBarbera is doing on his practice days a lot for a lot of years. Um, but I decided I'd go with Pete Baina um, or, or maybe Andrew Full. Because I need to talk to somebody about something other than bass fishing sometimes because it helps to remind me why I do this. Um, I've had a lot of good years where like salmon and steelhead fishing was fun after a season, but I've had a lot of bad years where it like saved my year. And like last year, I was not happy with how I did, but I, I started talking to people when I was up there. And one of the friend, my buddies who I fish against, I met him up there come to find out he was friend. We had mutual friends. And like one day, like 16 of us went, like took over a section of the river up in New York, like on one of the tributaries. And, and it's, it's kind of like snowballed into like this thing that really brings me great joy. So to fish with a guy like Andrew and have him at dinner or to fish with a guy like Pete Mena and like Pete's so crazy, like to have those guys kind of just like, lighten the mood because like dude sometimes i like to get serious and like really geek out about tackle and not shut up for like a while and like i'm afraid other people around me like i have a little paranoia that they're like oh my god is joe ever gonna shut up like so to have like pete there i think it would really like loosen things up like i think it'd be make for a well-rounded like steak dinner so heck yeah that's what i'd go with i like mom three dude yeah oh yeah well uh Deacon, boys, is there anything else that we should uh, mention to the folks before we sign off here? No, man. I uh, appreciate you coming on, Joe, and glad we could do this, guys. Thank you. Well, folks, uh, Monday night we're looking at getting on Mr. Jacob Fouts, who just qualified to the Elite Series through the Centrals. Uh, Well, Jacob will be on on Monday Night Live, but we also – it will either happen this Monday or potentially for Friday's episode – uh, it's funny you were just talking about him, Joe. Is Mr. Chris Saldane may be uh, might be joining us for Monday Night Live? So we'll keep you guys updated. Obviously, you guys will get the notifications this weekend through social. If you guys keep up, uh, if Saldane shall join us, but yeah, one way or another, Saldane shall be joining us in the next couple of weeks. Uh, getting some uh, some off season guys in here when they're not too busy. And uh, gotta get that dirty some... trash stash on camera. <laughs> That's a fact. But uh, boys, appreciate you guys taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you both. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.